Welcome to the Light Post podcast, where we endeavor to cast light from God's word on the issues that impact our lives. I'm Pastor Jim Lowe, and I just want to thank you for hanging out today while we just go through some things in God's word. Today, we're going to talk about trials. Why do we get them? Why do we go through them? And I'm going to be referencing a message that I did uh, a few months ago called Growing in Maturity. And I want to start with this when we talk about trials. When was the last time that you were sick? And, you know, we have all different kind of things that can make people sick in this day and age. We we have the common cold that can make you sick. We have the flu that can make you sick. We we have things that you eat that might make you sick. We're dealing with COVID. You know, we're still in that time right now. That thing can make you sick. But it's also external things, too. Your job can make you sick. Dealing with other people. Oh, that's always a good one, right? Other people and the things that they do can just make you sick sometimes, right? And those sicknesses, whether they're external or internal, the trials, they can they can last different times. You have certain things like a common cold that can last between three and seven days, but they can hang on for as long as two weeks. You know, I uh, people who have dealt with uh, covid, they go through the time where they've they've tested positive And then all of a sudden, by the time that they test negative, they still have things like a lingering cough that can go for a while as well, too. Sometimes you might have a headache that makes you feel bad and it might last just for half a day. Sometimes you might have a stomachache that only lasts for a short time. And then sometimes you have certain things that you go through and it seems like forever. But I'm pretty sure you all agree with me that nobody wants to get sick. I mean, really, really just think about it. Nobody wants to get sick. And if for whatever reason, if it has to happen, we really only want to be sick for about five minutes, right? Let's just be sick just for a very, very short time because we don't like being sick. We don't like what it does to us. We don't like the way that it makes us feel. And when you think about sickness, the the, the sickness, the trials, the stress that we go through in life. Life will be so much easier if we didn't have to deal with any of that. But there's a scripture here and we need to talk about this because this is what the Bible says here. And it's in James chapter one, verse two. And it says this, it says, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Okay, let me just stop right there. Let me read that again. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. The first line of that. Consider it pure joy, pure joy, consider it joy, consider it joy when consider it joy when you face trials. You know, that's really weird. But what what it seems like it's trying to say is this. It says to be happy when life gets hard. Be happy when life gets hard. Well, wait a minute now. Who, Who wants to do this? How is it that we're supposed to find happiness in difficult times? Let's just really think about it. When you're sick, how do you find joy in that? How many of you are really happy when you're going through things in life? This has seriously got to be on some other kind of level, right? But this is telling us, the Bible is saying here that there's more for us to reach for, for us to be happy when we're going through different things. So why should we find joy in trials? All right. So continuing that scripture, James 1 and 3, it says, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. The testing of your faith develops perseverance. If we read that same a verse in the New King James Version, it says, knowing that the testing of your faith, it produces patience. So we consider it pure joy when we go through trials because the testing of your faith produces 
patience. And that same scripture in the Amplified Version, James 1 and 3 says, be assured and understand that the trial and proving of your faith, it brings out endurance and steadfastness and patience. The trial and proving of your faith brings out endurance, steadfastness and patience. So, okay, based off of what we just read, this tells us something about the trials that we go through. The first thing it tells us is this. As much as we may not agree with it, as much as we may want to feel different, the Bible is saying, look at it this way. We should be happy when we face trials. That's number one. We should be happy when we face trials. Consider pure joy. Number two, when we face trials, our faith is tested. And number three, when our faith is tested, it makes us stronger. So let me read those again. We should be happy when we face trials. Number two is this. When we face trials, our faith is tested. And number three, when our faith is tested, it makes us stronger. Wow. I don't know how to feel about that. Because it's what it's telling us is, is that the things that we go through, the pain, the hurt, the sickness, the heartbreak, the hard times, the worry, all of those things, they are there for a reason. If there's a major point that you are, if you're able to write it down and just just like it in your mind right now, trials are necessary for our growth. Trials are necessary for our growth. They help our perseverance. They help us to grow stronger. And as much as we don't like it, as it's helping us to grow stronger, it's helping us to develop our faith. So let's talk about it. Let's ask a question here and you all can you know, think about this on your own. How strong is your faith? It's a question to think about. And we'll talk about that here. But not only how strong is your faith, what kind of endurance does your faith have? How long, how long can that faith be strong? OK, so we all say we have faith and we all say that we have faith in God to do certain things. But again, does that faith have endurance? You can have faith for the moment, but can you have faith that starts today that can last till tomorrow? We all say we believe. We all can have faith, though, until it's truly tested. We can say we have it, but we don't really know how strong it is until it's tested. How strong is your faith during a trial? How long can you believe God for a particular thing? Does your faith stay the same? Does your faith stay as strong? Do you still pray with the same fire that you pray with on day one? That you would on day 20. Prayerfully, it doesn't go that long, but it might. So what kind of endurance does your faith have? So uh, let's go back to the original scripture, right? Okay, so James chapter one, verse two through four. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking Anything. So that's the part that we had not read yet. Verse four says perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So if we read that same passage, I'm going to give you another uh, another version here. And that's the message version. It says consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. Y'all, God is trying to move us from being babes in Christ 
He's trying to make us spiritually mature. God wants us to be spiritually mature, not the same as we were years ago, but to be more mature today than what we were before. Philippians chapter one, verse six says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He who began a good work will carry it till completion. Y'all do realize that when God begins a work, it's not complete at that moment. He's carrying it to completion. It needs to finish. It needs to be completed. God wants to complete what he started in you. And remember, let's talk about who God is. Hebrews chapter 12, verse two says this. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning his shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. But what I'm talking about here, it says fixing your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter. God is the author and God is the perfecter of our faith. So he started it and he's going to finish it. He started it and he's going to finish it. He wants it to be as perfect as it can be. He doesn't just want us. He wants us to be better than we are. He wants us to be spiritually mature. If you're listening to me, and you're listening to this podcast. You guys can repeat. Let's say let's say something here. God wants to make me better. Let's say it again. God wants to make me better. Here's another one. God wants to mature me. Say that with me. God wants to mature me. So here's a question. So how does God build us up? Let's think about that real quick. So how does God build us up? All right. So when you were in school, you were in math class. You could learn all day. So how did you find out what you really knew? You know, we all have our strong subjects, but, you know, some people love math and other people can't stand it. But how would you find out in that class what you really knew? You would not know what you knew until the test came. That's when you can really learn is when the test comes. That gives us an opportunity to be able to show what we've learned. Psalm chapter 66, verse 10 says, for you, O God, tested us. You refined us like silver. God tests us, y'all, to refine us, to make us better than what we were. And again, we talked about trials and John 16 and 33 is probably maybe one of our least favorite scriptures in the whole Bible here. Right. It says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace in this world. You will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. So we've learned before that things must happen in life. That's what the scripture says here. In this world, you will have trouble. It doesn't say you might. It doesn't say you could. It says you will have trouble. Y'all, there are things in this life that we will go through. And the unfortunate thing is, is that some of those things may not resolve by the end of the day. We will go through things and some of them might last longer than other things. But the scripture also says in 1633, take heart for I have overcome the world. We can find peace in God during those times. We also see it in James that there's a reason for it, that God is using these things to make us mature. So let's say it again. God wants to make me better. We have to keep this in mind. Let's say it one more time. God wants to make me better. And then the other one, God wants to mature me. 
And we know the way that God works is, is that he tests us in the smaller things to prepare us for the bigger things. Before we can do the advanced math, we have to be able to do the basic math. Before we can multiply and divide, we have to be able to add and subtract. And before we're able to do fractions and complex problems, we have to be able to know how to multiply and divide. But before we can do any of that, we have to learn how to count. And we got to move from counting. Sometimes when it comes to trials, it's uh, it's changing the way that we think about the trials. Not to stop them, because there's a reason for them. There's a reason for that trial. And it's God using that trial to make us better. The testing of your faith develops perseverance. God wants to train us in the same way as with the math problem here. And, you know, continuing to think about the math problem. I want to ask you a question. How many of you all uh, continue to use your fingers when you count? You know, if you have three and you're going to add four to it, you know, you might automatically know that that's seven or you might actually use your fingers because you trust your fingers. Well, you know, we were taught when we were little, most of us and probably all of us to count our fingers. You know, we all have a certain number of them. And then when you when you learn to count them, it helps you to visualize what those numbers mean and what they represent. And over the years, you begin to trust that system. You know how it works. You know how many fingers you have. So you count them and you trust them. You don't you don't double check that and triple check that because over the years you've learned that that's the way that it works, that that makes sense. And, and you have faith in your fingers. You have faith in that formula. You have faith in that system. And that's the same thing that God is trying to do with us on a spiritual sense. I, I teach a lot of times that God uses natural examples to teach us spiritual concepts and I really think that God is trying to shift our minds about trials and the things that we go through to be able to see them that although there's something that we may not like, it's something that is necessary for our growth is what I've been saying, you know, for the past few minutes here. And so it makes me want to talk about a principle that I'm, I'm familiar with and I've taught it before. And of course, if you've heard me on Sundays, you may have heard me mention it before. If you watched any videos, but I call it the lion and bear principle and it's based on David and Goliath. All right. So I want to read a little bit of the story for anybody who doesn't know it. So we can kind of all get caught up. You might know the story of David and Goliath, but I'm going to read through it pretty quickly. And if not, you can go to first Samuel chapter 17 verses four. Uh, we're starting at verse four and going on through there, but that's where I want to read. Okay. So verse four. Uh, of first Samuel 17 says a champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. He was over nine feet tall. Verse five says he had a bronze helmet on his head and he wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5000 shekels. And verse six on his legs, he wore bronze greaves and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod and its iron point weighs 600 shekels. His shield bearer went ahead of him in verse eight says Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel. Why did you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he's able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Verse 10 says in the Philistine said this day, I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. Verse 11, on hearing the Philistines words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. 
Okay, so this thing just described who Goliath was. It gave us a description here that we could use so we could see why the Israelites and Saul were all terrified and dismayed at what this man was saying. First off, Goliath was a champion. He was one of the best fighters. He was also over nine feet tall, which means that he was a very, very big man. He was a large man, almost twice the size of the Israelites. Usually they say the Israelites, uh, the standard height for them was around five, 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 six, something like that. And Goliath was over nine feet tall. And so when you think about it, even his wingspan, his wingspan was almost two uh, Israelites, you know, from one point of his finger to the other. If he stretched his arm straight out. His arms alone were probably larger than the average Israelite. So this man visually was a beast of a guy. And not only was he that large, but he also was fully armored out. He was wearing all of this armor. So what were the rules that he presented? The first one, he said, "Okay, we're going to have one fight. The two sides are not going to fight. It's just going to be me and you. I'm one person. Well, he's, you know, like I said, the size of two or three of them, but I'm one person and you bring out one person. Whichever side wins, that side is going to rule the other. Now, if you're if you know the story or if you're listening, you know, really intently to what I'm saying, you can see here that clearly this is an unfair fight. I told you Goliath was twice the size of them. So Saul and the Israelites were dismayed and terrified because who is going to fight Somebody like this. This right here was considered a trial for Israel because, again, everything in terms of their freedom was all based upon somebody being able to beat this giant of a man. Now, we know the story. And of course, you know, twice a day for 40 days over a month, Goliath does this and, and David eventually hears it. So in first uh, Samuel 17, Verses 32 and 33, David says this. He says this to Saul. He said, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go out and fight him. And y'all remember, David's a child here. OK, and this is what Saul tells him in verse 33. Saul replied, you're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a boy. And he has been a fighting man from his youth. So David is saying, OK, look, I'll take care of it. David answered the question and nobody asked him. Nobody expected David to do this because David was a boy. Goliath was, was talking to the men and all the men were running. And here comes this young child said that I'll do it. He was smaller than even the, the male uh, Israelites that were out there. And so Saul asked him, well, how are you able to pull something like this off? And, and in first Samuel 17, verse 34, David said to him, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. Now, listen to this. First Samuel 17, like I said, in 34, this is the important part. Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it and rescued the sheep from his mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he's defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Y'all, this is what I call the lion and bear principle. And see, David is telling Saul why he's able to fight Goliath. He said it right there in that passage of First uh, Samuel 17, verses 34 through 37. I'll just sum it up here. He said, when a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, he went after it and he killed it. God kept him with the lion and the bear. 
And since God kept him with the lion and the bear, God would also keep him with Goliath. His previous trials gave him the ability to realize if God did it before, he can do it again. And what David was doing here, he was using a natural trial. What you deal with what he was doing with as the shepherd boy, these lions and the bears coming off, taking, taking the sheep. That was something that wasn't unusual to happen. Now, what was really unusual was David going after them to fight. But if God helped him then, God was going to help him now. But if David never went through those natural trials, he would never know what God could do for him at this particular point in time. So what David was doing is, is that he used a natural trial to determine a spiritual conclusion. That's what he did. The trial was not about so much the lion and the bear. The trial was actually showing him what God would do for him. Y'all hear that? The trial is not about the lion or the bear, but it's showing him what God can deliver him through. So now when he comes to Goliath, David uses the exact same thing. So this is what I'm trying to tell you all. That trial is there to help you develop perseverance, to help you develop your faith, to grow your faith in God. Because if God brought you through this trial, whatever you're going through right now, guess what? He can bring you through another one. And for those of you all who are going through a trial at this exact moment, sometimes it may require for you to think back on the trials that you've gone through before in the past. And if God brought you through those trials, guess what? He can bring you through this trial as well, too. This is the way it works. This is a major and key point right here. I'm about to tell you is this right here. Our trials may change, but our God does not. In your life, it might be a lion one day and it might be a bear another. It might be a cold today and it might be a sore throat on a different day. It could be a flat tire on one day or an issue on a job on another it might be something that could be really small or something that seems really small on one day. And then something that seems like a completely impossible situation on another day. But as long as God showed himself strong before, guess what? God can show himself strong again. You have to think about it from from this aspect right here. If if God is a deliverer, he is a deliverer. If he delivered you before, guess what? That makes him a deliverer. And if he was a deliverer back then, is God not all of a sudden going to deliver you today? If he did it before, he can do it again. So remember, whatever it is that we're going through, God is able. The trials are there to help us to be able to learn to rely on God. To make us more spiritually mature to where we are not lacking anything. Again, why do we go through them? Because the testing of our faith develops perseverance. And perseverance must finish its work so that we may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. God's trying to grow us up. The answer is always going to be to trust him. Because whatever it is, if he did it before, he can do it again. All right. So I hope this was a blessing to you today. We want to thank you for joining us on another episode of the Light Post podcast, a ministry of the Guiding Light Church. 
For other messages and resources, connect with us online at guidinglight.org, Guiding Light Church on Facebook, or Guiding Light Church TV on YouTube. I'm Pastor Jim. Take care. God bless. I hope it was a blessing to you, and we'll catch you next time. <laughs>